This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that same Jesus said concerning our times, the times that you and I are living in, that men's hearts would fail them for fear for the things that are coming upon the earth. Therefore, the Father knew that fathers would have a problem in these times. The problem is a problem with the temptation to fear. And today we want to talk about that. We want to talk about how to father in fearful times. These are the times. These are the times that all history has anticipated. These are the times that all biblical history and prophecy have anticipated. You and I are living in these times, whether we realize it or not, whether we want to realize it or not, they're here. The very thing that always seemed like it was off in the far distance is right here. And we're living in this moment. This is the generation. This is the generation that Jesus spoke about. Men's hearts failing them for fear for the things that are coming upon the earth. If you want to know where that's found, it's found in the book of Luke, chapter 21, verses 25 to 26. So the reality is that increasing fear is going to define our times. That's just the reality. And that understanding, it might not sit well, you might not really want to hear it, but it is a fact that's going to severely challenge our faith as fathers, as dads, as grandfathers, because the Father said it would be so. So today on Viewpoint, we're going to talk about how to father in these fearful times. This is not a negative message. This is actually a positive message. You could say it's very much like a coach realizing that his team is going to face the ultimate test, a test in a game such as or in a series such as they have never, ever experienced before. And the team actually is a bit disconcerted. They're going to face teams. They're going to face a team. They're going to face a size, they're going to face a victory on the other side that is so intimidating that they are tempted to shrink in fear and in horror. So what does the coach do? Well, the coach doesn't uh, cringe in fear with the team, but rather the coach rises above the fear and encourages and strengthens and directs and gives hope in the, in the, in the very prospect of the horror that his team seems to be facing. And he encourages faith for the moment. Faith for the challenge that is ahead. And that's what we're doing here today on Viewpoint. Encouraging fathers, encouraging dads, encouraging grandfathers, and fathers-to-be, yes, men, it's time for us to take seriously these times. It was said that 
the men of Issachar understood the times. Unlike the other tribes of Israel, the men of Issachar understood the times. And so they prepared accordingly. And that's what we want to do here today on Viewpoint. So I hope you'll stay tuned, friend. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. In fact, it's talk that transforms if we allow it to be transforming. If we don't want it to be transforming, or we don't want to listen to it, or we don't want to respond to it in honesty and integrity, then it will not be transformative. If I don't think that I have any uh, connection with what is being talked about, then it won't be transformative to me. It'll be mere information. But if, on the other hand, I can see and allow myself to see that I may really need to be directed, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, maybe to be convicted in these times in order to be the kind of father, the kind of grandfather, the kind of man that I need to be. So again, I welcome you to Viewpoint. It's always conversation with conviction. And as I said, often, hopefully, talk that transforms. I want to make available to you uh, my book, Hearts of the Fathers, uh, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. It's one of the more important books that I have written. It was written exactly for this time. It wasn't written to sell books. It was written to prepare the minds and hearts of men Because God said that failing fatherhood would be one of the premier characteristics of these end times. That's why he addressed Malachi. And he said that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that is before Christ comes and pours out the wrath of God on the children of disobedience, before that happens... God, in his mercy and his grace and compassion, will send forth the spirit of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. That's what's happening this very day and this very moment. We're talking about building an eternal legacy. And the reality is that every one of us is building a legacy, whether we realize it or not. It's either a legacy for uh, an eternity that we want our children and grandchildren to experience, or otherwise. And we need to come to grips with it. So here's a $20 hardbound book, or essentially is a $23 hardbound book, and it is yours for $18 on our website, saveus.org. Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Legacy That Lasts. It's written for you, my friend. It's written for you. It'll change your life It will encourage you. It will strengthen you for these unique times. It's unlike other books concerning fatherhood. It's not about a take-me-out-to-the-ball-game book. It's not about buying peanuts and Cracker Jacks. It's not about going fishing. It's about things that God says are important, the most important things regarding fathering. Again, a $23 hardbound book, yours for $18, on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 
855-555, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Jesus mints no words, friends. He was preparing spiritual sons, his disciples, for his departure. And he was committed to leave a legacy that would last. And so he warned them. He warned his disciples of that which was to come, whether it was going to be good or bad, whether uplifting or challenging, whether good or godly or ungodly. These men with whom he had invested himself, like our kids, had to be forewarned so that they could be forearmed. So, Jesus, sharing the Father's heart just before his crucifixion, warned of all kinds of things that are going to take place. He called them the beginning of sorrow. And then he described the conditions that would exist in our time. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Jesus, the Son of the Father. Father God was particularly concerned the day before his crucifixion about the massive deception that would sweep the earth, especially among those who otherwise professed his name. He said, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Kind of sobering warning, isn't it? And it should grip our hearts as fathers today. In fact, you could actually say that any lesser reaction is to hide our head in the proverbial sand. No coach would let you do that if you were facing a difficult team ahead. And we can't, God's not going to let you do that either. In his mercy, in his grace, in his compassion, his long-suffering, he is extending a lifeline of encouragement to prepare us as men so that we can stand in his stead, that is, in God's stead, for our children, in loco parentis, in the place of the parent, or in loco God, in the place of God. Reality is coming home to roost for any dad whose heart is truly turned toward the Father and walking toward the Son, that is, Jesus. So, no question about it. We're living in those times that, He's so graphically described, and they're serious. They are. And Jesus wants us to follow in his footsteps. So how do we do that? How do we follow in Jesus' footsteps? Because Jesus knew he was going to be crucified. He knew he was going to be facing the ultimate persecution, terrifying Don't you think he feared? How did he face that fear? And Jesus turned around and he said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Why do you think you should be different than your Lord? So I have a question for you, my father friends out there, my brothers, 
Do you really believe Jesus' words? Are they real to you? And if they are, what have you been doing to prepare your sons and daughters for the persecution to come? It's interesting because just yesterday, Pastor Brunson, the one who had been taken captive there in Iran and had been in uh, jail under persecution for a couple of years, he came out and he said, I was not prepared for that persecution. He was a pastor. He said, I wasn't prepared. I almost gave up. So, guys, we've, we've got to take this seriously. Jesus took it seriously. And we, and we need to take it seriously, too. So I have a question for you. If the hearts of macho men are failing them for fear or paralyzing them because of what they see, what they feel, what they hear, then how should we, fathers and grandfathers, expect our young who trust us to respond? Can, they, can we expect them to respond in faith if we're walking in fear, if they sense that we're terrified, if we're walking in fear, this isn't a hypothetical question. This is the real deal. And and if we can't face this, then it's like we're, we're playing pretend. So as real men, As genuine, trustworthy fathers, what should we do? How should we respond among the unpleasant realities that are growing and growing and growing, slapping us in the face at every turn, destabilizing our homes, destabilizing the environment? Even Disney is intentionally destroying the family. Disney, so much so, that what is it, something like 14, 15 countries now are refusing to even show their latest film. In other words, those countries are more righteous than we are. You and I are living in a cesspool of unrighteousness, and the pressures are continuing. Do you know what the Greek word for pressure is? Thlipsis, do you know what it means? Tribulation, it's translated tribulation, pressure. We're experiencing it, my friends, and your kids are experiencing Our Our grandchildren, I watch my grandchildren, I've got 10 grandchildren, and quite frankly, I'm watching the pain of their growing up in the cesspool of our of our culture and civilization right now. It's not even civilized anymore. What do we do? Do we just pretend to have a Pollyanna view that whatever will be will be, the future's not ours to see, K-sara-sara? No, we can't do that. We have to live with Christ-like courage in these challenging times, and we have to be intentional about building strong faith. In other words, let's use another metaphor. God told Noah in the midst of 
the wickedness and violence of his generation told him to build an ark. Save his sons and daughters and build an ark. That's what you and I are called to do. Not Not build an ark of wood and lining it with pitch. No, we're called to build an ark of faith and trust and obedience and courage. That's what we're called to do. So, again, I ask a very pertinent question, poignant question, piercing question. Is that what you are doing? Don't answer too quickly, and don't try to compare yourself with somebody else. Is that what you are doing? As a professing follower of Jesus Christ, is that what you are intentionally doing? Not talking about what you hope you would be doing, not talking about what you wish you were doing, but what are you doing? You see, actions speak much louder than words or intentions. So, we want to be faithful like Noah. God said, build an ark. He said, yes, sir. And he got about it. So what do we need to do? If we're going to be fathering in fearful times, what's the very first thing we need to do? We need to build Christ-like trust. Noah didn't know about Christ, but he heard the voice of the Lord and he obeyed. He did what God said as a revelation of his absolute trust and absolute trust is revealed in obedience. That's the hallmark of faith. Did you know that that was the hallmark of Jesus' life as the Son? He said, I don't do anything I don't see the Father do. I don't say anything I don't hear the Father say. I do everything he said, and my meat, the the value of my life is based upon doing the Father's will. In other words, obeying the Father. Then he says, as the Father sent me, now even so I send you. You begin to see the picture. Maybe we have not accurately portrayed the true model of Jesus for our lives, particularly as men. We've got to build faith, but faith is revealed in trust, and trust is revealed and made manifest in obedience. And when I obey, my trust is strengthened. When my trust is strengthened, my faith is strengthened. And that's why trust and faith are part of the three-legged stool of the Christian life. And it's all, the legs of the stool are all hooked together by the word obedience. Now, the second thing that we need to do is build Christ-like character. It's one thing to claim to have built an ark, but it's quite another thing to live a life worthy of getting into the ark. So character counts. Now, we're all a bunch of characters, you know that. We're all a bunch of characters. But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the life integrity of a man. 
where his life is consistent with what he says, with what he says he believes. So the question that haunts our homes is, what do my children or grandchildren children say or think? Is my home truly a safe haven where Christ-like character is guiding and protecting the purported faith and trust? These are rhetorical questions, you see, and we need to ask them of ourselves and respond honestly, in other words, with integrity. And then the next thing we need to do is build Christ-like courage because courage is the backbone of moral character. When courage weakens, everything starts sagging in our lives. Can you imagine fatherly leadership without courage? Courage is what enables you and I, as a man, as a grandfather, as a father, as dads, to take a stand for righteousness. There's a famous German philosopher, Gady. He said, wealth lost, something lost. Honor lost, much lost. But courage lost, all is lost. I don't know about you, but I want to be a man of courage. Not one who is full of braggadocia, not that kind of courage. Real courage. And you know what? When God passed the baton of leadership from Moses, a courageous leader, to Joshua, in the terrifying times that the children of Israel were going to be facing entering into the promised land, You know what his message to Joshua was? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you whithersoever you go. So we need to be brave without bravado. And believe it or not, God our Father is looking to and fro throughout the whole earth to find a few faithful followers and grandfathers who can and will stand in these fearful times. And having done all to stand, to stand, having their loins girt about with truth. So, again, I want to uh, make available this book, Hearts of the Fathers. To you, it's a hardbound book, $23 book written specifically for these times to prepare men, to prepare fathers, grandfathers, and fathers-to-be. What an incredible gift to a dad-to-be. To cast a vision, a vision for how to raise up his sons and daughter in these otherwise seemingly terrifying times. I'll tell you, when I first caught that vision back when our first child, our daughter, Nicole, uh, was, well, actually about one year old, less than one year old, I began to see how important it was going to be for me as a father. And when I came home from work every day, I would pick her up and take her on a walk, hold her in my arms, take her on a walk uh, after dinner, 
to speak into her life, to speak into her heart, to speak the word of the Lord, to touch a, a, a good, holy touch from a father. And I do believe that those early days of investment have paid off. We don't always know. We can't control our children, no question about it. We're facing, my wife and I are facing exactly the same challenges that you're facing. This is a very troubled world. Very troubled world. But get a copy of the book. It'll encourage you. It'll strengthen you. It'll give you hope. Ladies, this will give you give you hope for your man. I'll tell you, you will not regret it. You won't regret it. That is, if you love the Lord and your kids. It's on our website, saveus.org. Hearts of the Fathers. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a For Pastors Only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Always a special privilege and delight to be able to come before you here on Viewpoint. Confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective, and we know it's from God's eternal perspective because he speaks about this so much in his word. In fact, the next to last message that God brings to the planet before the second coming and the pouring out of the wrath of God on the children of disobedience is, in fact, the words of Malachi that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, he will send forth the spirit of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Why? Because it's going to be a desperate time of fatherlessness. A desperate time. And we're told even secular observers today are saying that fatherlessness is the number one social problem of our time and that everything, almost all the other social statistics are a reflection of some kind of fatherlessness, either lack of the father in the home or lack of a father truly being a father from God's viewpoint. Did you know that the word a father appears 979 times in the Bible in 852 verses? And then the word fathers appears 549 times in 514 verses. And the word forefathers appears two times. So the total number of appearances of the word father in its various forms is 1,573 times in the Bible. Now that should say something, shouldn't it? 
Fathers are important. Contrary to what the spirit of this age says about fathers. So we discovered in the first half of the program, there are three things that we as fathers must do in these fearful times. One, we have to build Christ-like trust. Two, we have to build Christ-like character. And three, we must build Christ-like courage. Then, how do we do that? How do we be brave without bravado? Alexander Solzhenitsyn, that famous uh, Russian, had something to say to all of us. He says, from ancient times, decline in courage has been considered the beginning of the end. Whoa. Decline in courage has been considered the beginning of the end. So, dads, we, we can't wander in trepidation and fear, wringing our hands about this, that, or the other. We've got to take courage. But what does that mean? How do we do that? Well, that's what we want to talk about in the next few minutes. The first thing that God commands us to do is to fear not. Remember, the father repeatedly exhorted his son Israel and all of his children to fear not. We're told that God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We're not supposed to fear man because the fear of man brings a snare. But whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. We're told that perfect love casts out fear. That the man who yields to fleshly fear is going to be tormented. In other words, fear is not good. It's unholy, it's unrighteous, and it reveals that we do not trust God. So, how are we enabled then to be fearless and faithful without falling? The next thing, we cannot fret. Fret not. Fretting is faithless. And don't we have a propensity in our flesh to fret? It reveals the weakness in our spirit to trust God and to live by faith, doesn't it? Fretting actually frustrates our faith. How do we fret? We fret in our minds and our thoughts, and we fret with our words. We can't do that. And our flesh is always going to demand that we fret. My wife and I are going through a set of circumstances right now that our, our trust, our faith is being tested hugely. Our patience is being tested hugely. Well, if we never go through a test, we're never going to have a testimony, are we? We have to face tests. And quite frankly, these times are virtually the ultimate test. And it's going to get tougher. Jesus tells us it's going to get tougher. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle John, all warn about these times. Why do we think, why do we somehow so easily dismiss the reality of what we're dealing with here? So, our children 
your kids need to see you as victorious in faith, not a fretter. All right, next. We cannot fall. We dare not fall. Persistent falling reveals a propensity to fail, which, what do you think the result of that is for our kids and grandkids? It impairs their hope and our hope for a godly, lasting legacy. If our kids and our grandkids see us constantly failing and falling, it's one thing to realize in humility that we're human and human beings do fall from time to time. It's another thing to fall continually. We can't afford that. You can't afford that. I remember in the classic film Chariots of Fire, a very dramatic uh, portion of that uh, Eric Little, Scotland's uh, fastest wing was challenged to run in a particular race to display his running prowess, but was tripped up by an unscrupulous competitor. And it caused Eric to stumble and fall and seeming to doom him to failure. And you could see it in slow motion as he rolls on the track. And he's having to formulate in the instant of the moment, am I going to quit? Am I going to run off the track? It's all over. Or am I going to get back in the game or in the race? And he gets back in the race, and God gives him an unbelievable inspiration to run, and he wins that race. It's amazing. I can feel it right now surging in my veins. This is the kind of person I want to be. This is the kind of man I want to be. I want to get in the race. I want to run the race. And if I should happen to trip and fall, I want to get up, shake myself, and get back in the race. In other words, Never give up. Can't fall away, friends. One of the most encouraging passages in the Bible is found in one book, Jude. Only one chapter, Jude, verse 24. The Father is able to keep us from falling if we are truly and sincerely following his word and his ways and his will. We're to count it all joy when we fall into many testings and trials. We're to submit to God, and only then are we to resist the devil. We can't resist the devil without first submitting to God. We're to draw nigh to God, the Father, and then he will draw near to us. So grace isn't a, a prescription to sin promiscuously. Actually, it's a provision to keep us from falling. Isn't that interesting? That's why we're warned to flee temptation, especially sexual sin and the love of money. But guys, remember, there's no temptation that's taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, the Father is faithful, and he will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape. Ah, oh, 
but we have to follow the way to escape. So as Peter says, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things that he lists, you'll never fall. Fall not. The next thing in order to walk in courage is to forget not. If you notice how easy it is for us to forget, that's why we have to be continually reminded. That's why over and over God, God in his word repeats the same theme in different ways. Over and over, a father admonishes us not to forget, but to remember. He says, remember, 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 remember. Isn't that what you and I try to tell our kids? Well, God's trying to say that to us as his children. So the flip side of the father's warning to forget not is to remember. Remember the mighty acts of God. Do you lead your family, your kids, in remembering from time to time how God has answered prayer, has God, how God has led you when you were faithful and waited patiently for him and he provided your needs? He did this, he did that. Do you remind your children? Do you, not, do you, you don't just remind them about Daniel and David and Goliath. No, remind them about what God has been doing in your life. Oh, well, maybe he hasn't been doing anything because you haven't been doing anything. Hmm. We have to have something to remember. My wife and I take such delight in going back periodically and remembering. We did it just this morning. Remembering what God has done over years, having been married now almost 57 years. 56 years, sorry. (laughs) Having gone together 58 years. And we see how God has moved and protected us and guided us and provided in so many different ways. Only his hand, and his hand has reached out still, not only to us, but to you. Forget not, remember. Oh, we're not finished yet. We've got some more points here. The walking courage, guys. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they loved one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. The foundation of America is not the Declaration of Independence, but it's your home. You heard me correctly. The foundation of the United States of America is not the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution. It is your home. 
It begins with your marriage. It begins with how you and your spouse deal with your children and then with your grandchildren, and that determines the destiny of the country. It's quite simple. And as family after family after family are doing the same thing that you are doing, as a microcosm of the church, your family is the smallest element of the church in action if you're a true believer, then when multiple families are doing the same thing, you begin to have a community and a city and a nation that is godly. To the extent that any individual family does not follow through, to that extent the nation crumbles. Its foundation is crumbling. It's not hard to understand these things. It's very, very simple. We try to say that it's complex, but it's not complex. It's simple. Now, we were talking about how a man stands courageously in times like these. Here is the final statement. Well, next to final statement that I want to make concerning that. This is one of the most important things that we can mention, and that is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of all wisdom. It's the foundation for every single promise that God has made, including salvation itself. And yet the fear of the Lord has fallen on very hard times in our times. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. It provides a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. It enables us and our families to depart from the snares of death. And the Father will teach fathers who truly fear the Lord. That's why I wrote the book, The Secret of the Lord. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and to them he will show or manifest his covenant. These books that have been written here and have been presented on this program are a composite of the messages that God brings to a people, to his church, to prepare the way of the Lord, to make straight paths for their feet, to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. That's what they are. There's great security and peace for fathers and grandfathers who truly fear the Lord. But there's also lack of peace, lack of courage, lack of strength for fathers and grandfathers who do not fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord enables us to both identify and hate evil in a godly way. Amid fearful times, the man who truly fears the Lord shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord, that delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. So you see, wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, enabling us as men and fathers to have greater understanding as we follow Father's commandments. 
Now, if you don't have a copy of the book, The Secret of the Lord, you need to get a copy and read it. Read it carefully. It's a $20 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org. It's a hardbound book, The Secret of the Lord, beautiful book. On the website, saveus.org, or give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. By the way, if you want to get both The Secret of the Lord and Hearts of the Fathers together, uh then there will only be one $7 postage and handling instead of $5 for each, so you'll save $3 that way. Okay, now, the final item in walking courageously and not trembling is to follow faithfully. As fathers, we're not able to faithfully follow the Father who changes not, If we're constantly changing, how can our kids feel secure in our leadership if we don't feel secure in God's leadership as a father? So this matter of faith is not just some esoteric uh, idea out there, uh, maybe using the word religion as opposed to faith. No, that's not what we're talking about. Faith, trust, are two of the main stool uh, legs of the Christian stool. Now, how do we walk faithfully? There are several things that I want to suggest to you uh, as to how we walk faithfully. So here we go. The first thing we need to do is to follow righteousness. Follow righteousness with, uh, in fact, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. People forget about the word righteousness. They say, seek first the kingdom of God. No, that's not what Jesus said. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, his right ways. The apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, said, But you, O man of God, flee things that cause to err from faith. Godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. So we need to follow righteousness. The next thing we need to do is follow holiness. Because without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. We need to make straight paths for our feet to walk in holiness, set apart unto God. The next thing we need to do, men, this is a tough one, we need to follow Christ's suffering. I don't like to hear that, but Jesus said it was necessary. The Apostle Peter said, Fathers, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing's happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's sufferings. In fact, Peter also said we should follow in his steps. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, we should arm ourselves likewise with the same mind. 
For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. We need to display a willingness to stand even when there's persecution. And our children and grandchildren and our spouses need to see it. It's not about standing in an angry way. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking here about being willing to stand in the evil day. We need to follow stewardship. We need to be faithful stewards. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. As fathers, we're appointed stewards of our children by God the Father. We are the Father's surrogates, like his hand extended, to raise, nurture, and guide our young on behalf of the Father, both in spirit and in truth. We need to follow without fail. Be faithful unto death, said Jesus, and I will give you a crown of life. But see, faithfulness is, is, is in following is tested in the crucible of fearful times. See, we're talking about following in fearful times. We need to fight the good fight. Whether you realize it or not, we're at war. As fathers and grandfathers, we're called by the Father God to stand, and having done all to stand, to still stand. We must stand, having our loins girt about with truth. Our children are trusting us to remain true, even unto death. Remember that song that we used to sing? We will be true to thee till death. It was a great song of the church. But see, we can only do that by putting on the whole armor of God every day. We have to be lovers of the truth. So we're at war, dads, and our children are trusting us to remain true even unto death. This is going to require a level of dedication that most of us have never seen and our Western world has not seen in our generation. It's going to require a depth of prayer, of watchfulness, of perseverance that is seldom practiced among professing Christian men today. And get serious about it. And stop saying, well, I just don't read. Well, you better, you better study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There are no cop-outs anymore, friends. You're in the game whether you realize it or not. You're in the game either to win or to fail. So it's time for us as fathers, grandfathers, to get into the battle and fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Paul said when he was finishing his ministry, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Therefore, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. 
And there it is. May all who come behind us, my dear friends, find us faithful, fathering in fearful times. I hope this has been helpful, encouraging, maybe convicting. It's all right. Conviction by the Holy Spirit is a wonderful thing. When we do not yield to the conviction, that's when we give place to the enemy of our souls for condemnation. Don't allow it to happen. Respond to the conviction with righteousness and humble response. Repentance when necessary, obedience, and you will not give place to the enemy of your soul for condemnation. The book, Hearts of the Fathers, Leaving a Lazy the Last, a $23 hardbound book, yours for $18. What an incredible gift. What a blessing to a man, uh, to a grandfather, to a, a young man about to be a father. Can't imagine a better book for them. A greater encouragement, like a personal coach. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, and write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. If you wanted to get the book, uh, Secret of the Lord, that's a $20 book, that's for $15, another hardbound book. You get them both together, only $7 postage and handling. Now, would you seriously consider becoming a partner with us today? I received word from our longest-term supporter to this ministry. 29 years. Excuse me, 27 years. The longest supporter of this ministry was donating several hundred dollars a month. He said, Chuck, at 80-some years of age now, I've been diagnosed with liver cancer and given three months to live. You see, all of us are going to pass. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. How about you stepping into the gap for my friend Ed and become a part of God bless you. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.